What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Bumper Sticker Faith. Man, my name is Louis Dooley. If you don't know, now you know. And I got my brother, my sidekick, my ace over here, Sam Key. What's up, brother? How you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well. Man, you sound kind of like, I don't know, man, like you need a, a, a pep pill. I do. I need like, to go for a jog. I injured my back, and so I haven't been able to go out in God's creation and go jogging. How did you hurt your back? Uh, <laughs> I just did. Oh, okay. I think All I right. sat on the wrong chair for too long or oh, wow. okay. slept in a wrong bed. Old age, man. Yeah. Father yeah. time is undefeated. Yeah. So Can't I need something it. to invigorate me. So All right. You ain't had no coffee yet? I did. I'm, I'm just <clears> starting <throat> to sip it now. You need like a, a 10X shot of espresso. Yeah. So I make it pretty, pretty strong. Okay. All right. Well, man, today we got a guest as usual as we um continue to have guests every week. <clears throat> and this dude here, like, we're just meeting him. But I'm eager to not only get to know him more, but to learn more about the topic that we yeah. have. So tell us a little bit about our guest. Yeah. Well, the topic today, we're going to mm. uh, focus on the ascension of Jesus mm. and, and being caught up or taken up, along mm-hmm. with some other things, that, the Gospel of Luke, some parables. But the guy that we have on today is uh, Dr. David uh, Bryan, and he's uh, at Trinity, and we have him here. So good morning, uh, Dr. Bryan. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Good and morning. we learned that he is originally from Delaware, and that re- Delaware. that reminded me, Louis. Do you do you know what Delaware wore? A New Jersey. <laughs> Say that again. What did Delaware? <laughs> what did Delaware? Uh, yeah, a New Jersey. <clears throat> a New Jersey. I don't know. A New. Jer- I, I'm, I'm I trying get the to... Delaware part, but I don't get the New Jersey. Well, part. it's a. It's like a. a oh, sh- because of New Jersey. Yeah. The okay. State. All right. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's pretty early for dad jokes, I think. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's something, man. It is. But um, Dr. Brian, you're uh, tell us you're at mm. Trinity International University, and uh, you teach New Testament. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm up here at, uh, at Trinity teaching New Testament. I oversee the uh, Bible Ministry undergrad program for the college, and work with MDiv students. Other duties as assigned. Uh, my favorite line in any contract. <laughs> and you're also an associate pastor at Lakeview Presbyterian Church. That's right. Yeah, part-time. Um, uh, been ordaining the PCA for a long time. And uh, just about a year ago, became associate pastor uh, part-time at Lakeview and uh, oversee our theological sort of Sunday, adult Sunday school mm-hmm. type stuff. And again, whatever Pastor Bo tells me, <clears throat> tells me to do, I do. <laughs> How does your adult Sunday school class look? Like, do you have certain goals or a certain uh, something you're trying to do with it? Is it weekly? Is it? Yeah, it, it's weekly um, for the most part. You know, once in a while we have, uh, you know, missionaries that come back and visit mm. and so we meet with them and, and that sort of thing. But um, it's, uh, yeah, we, we tend to do like, I would say, four to eight week sort of segments, mm-hmm. you know, once in a while. Um, last, last fall, we did a sort of hot topic, mm-hmm. you know, really, um, you know, challenging issues of the faith sort of thing, mm-hmm. like predestination and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that was a long way that we paired that with our sermon series. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit longer, but um, yeah. And I don't teach all of it. You know uh, we have, gosh, we have a number of super, qualified people in our church, a couple of uh, people here who work at Trinity as well. 
and um so we we try to balance balance out the the load and and a lot of different topics mm-hmm. you know it's not all just bible and theology you know it's you know how do we just live out our faith well how do we mm-hmm. we just did a series on how to how to talk to one another in christ you know what mm-hmm. what does that mean you know mm-hmm. um so yeah so it's 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 great i i love being involved in the church mm-hmm. and I'm a churchman at heart. Mm-hmm. And you it's, you mentioned, sorry, Lewis, you mentioned uh, missionaries coming. You also were a missionary, though, in Spain, that's right. correct? That's right. Yeah, we were in Spain for two and a half years with Mission to the World, which is the PCA's missions agency. Okay. And it was great. We loved uh, Madrid. Um, it was We were part of a technically a church planning team, but it was a brand new team. And so we spent a lot of time just learning what Spaniards thought about mm-hmm. spiritual things and um, ultimately did a lot of spent a lot, most of our time with like young adult college, you know, age 18 to 30 um, doing film nights and mm. a lot of creative stuff. It was, it was a great, a great experience there. Did you run with the bulls? <laughs> no, no. I, I, I do admit that I contemplated it at, at you know, I was a okay. lot younger back then. Louis. Okay. Um, uh, but I think, no, I remember seeing some videos of it, you know, at the time was like, dude, I, I don't want to get gored by a bull. That just, I don't think the Lord has that. Yeah, in my I, would, I would do it, man. I mean, like, I'm not that adventurous with stuff like that, but yeah. I, if I, ever, if I get to Spain, I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'd, if love, I ever go I'd to- love to go see it. We never even got a chance to go see it. Mm, um, okay. But, uh, in Pamplona there. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not even gonna ask that question. Cause I was wondering Trinity. <laughs> Like I thought Trinity just shut down or that's a different Trinity. No, that's the same Trinity. Um, so yeah, so we still have our online undergrad and we have our, we still have the, the only residential component that we're keeping is the five-year BA MDiv program. Mm, okay. And um, so we've got students in that and, and trying to figure out how to keep that because that's really you know ties in with ted's super mm-hmm. closely with the mdiv obviously and um you know hopefully we can we can keep things moving forward in in a new exciting direction mm-hmm. okay is one last question is the church in madrid still going you know we uh we didn't start an actual church oh, when we were there okay. they did eventually after uh, a couple years after we left but we were partnering with a number of churches uh, locally at the time. Mm, okay. And uh, but the film night that we started is still going hmm. uh, many, wow. many years later. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, today we're going to be, like I said, talking about a topic that I originally wanted to talk about it on Ascension Day, which was like in May. May. Mm. I think it was like May seventeenth or something this year. But we uh, we're going to talk about it today, and uh, the Ascension is. One of those things where, you know, I don't know too much about it. I mentioned beforehand in writing that I never really, you know, trying to come up with questions or thoughts. Like I I really don't even, I haven't even studied it much, but I know that Christians throughout the centuries have, and to this day still do celebrate Ascension Day Hmm. and that, that it has a role. And uh, I want to dig into that more. And I, I was just thinking about and researching people. I, came across you uh dr brian and and you've uh, written some chapters on the ascension and you also uh study the gospel of luke and um, Mm -hmm. uh, some of the things that you study in the gospel of luke are the parables and maybe that's even a good place uh to start with uh the parables like 
Well, I think I think just from a people being ignorant to how much there is to know about the ascension, like I I think let's dig let's jump right into that. Okay. Because I'm curious. I mean, and then I, there's tons of stuff out there about parables. Okay. And I'm sure people study a lot about parables, but the ascension, I didn't even know that was something to study. Okay. Just to be transparent. Yeah, so I that. mean, maybe I'd rather get that. I'll do that. And then whatever time we may have left, we can spend on the parables because I want to know about this. Yeah. All right. Great. Let's do it. Let's start with the ascension. So, um, the ascension, it means, it means going up, right? What is the ascension? When did it happen? Where do you read about it in the Bible? Yeah, good questions. Uh, and, and thanks for talking about it. The Ascension is one of those weird um, yet important topics. That, yeah, and then why are you interested in it too? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, the Ascension, we see Jesus ascending uh, in two places, at least it's narrated in two places, in Luke 24, at the very end of Luke's mm-hmm. Gospel, and then at the very beginning of Acts, in Acts 1. And uh, so Luke, being the author of both Luke and Acts, it's obviously a very important sort of uh, narrative hinge, you could say, right, uh, for for the ending of Acts, or any of Luke, excuse me, and the, the beginning of Acts. Um, I, yeah, I got started on the Ascension in, um, we came back from Spain, and I was doing a, a, a master's degree to sort of prepare for PhD studies, and I was thinking about topics. I was really interested in Luke, uh, and I, I stumbled onto the Ascension. I think mm. you could say, in terms of like, what is it? You sort of, you know, what you guys are talking about, right? How does it fit with the kingdom and uh, all those kinds of questions? And so I wrote a, a my master's thesis was on the Ascension, and uh, that led into the the edited volume that that. Uh, Dr. David Powell, who's now the dean here at, at Trinity, and I uh, edited together, and, and our, we wrote a chapter in it, and so that was sort of the impetus for me getting into the Ascension. But it, you know, it is funny. Like people, uh, I was thinking as I was walking into my office today, it's like you know, a lot of times people when they talk about Jesus's you know earthly work, right? It's like life, death, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the Ascension is, is that fourth one that really should be mentioned alongside those mm-hmm. other three. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of how I got into it. And not, not to interrupt, but yeah, yeah. you know, I, I'm kind of my, I, I kind of have a pet peeve personally, like, you know, like you kind of not to have a pet peeve, but like the, the life, the death, the resurrection, but like no Ascension, I'm like on the opposite end. Like, what about the birth? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people leave the birth yeah. out. Like you can't have the other things without him being born and he wasn't born in an ordinary way. So I feel like in a gospel sharing context, a lot of people just jump right to really just jump right to the crucifixion. Yeah. You know, and a lot yeah, of times yeah. they leave out the life. Right. But most people don't, but I think oftentimes they leave out the birth. Mm-hmm. And so I'm definitely guilty of leaving out the Ascension. So I want to add that. And I would call, if I started a church, we'd be the full gospel church, <laughs> like the not full gospel church, the full gospel. We're starting from the we're starting back from the prophecy of the Messiah being born to the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and ding ding ding, the ascension, and when he comes again, like we having the full mm-hmm. shebang. Mm-hmm. Anyway, though, go ahead, brother. No incarnation. I totally agree <clears throat> with you. Incarnation super theologically important. If uh, anyways, yeah, and so the ascension. 
I think equally, although, you know, because it's, you only get two little narrative, you know, accounts of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people, if you don't read, if you read Mark and Matthew and John a lot and you never read Luke, well, it's like, well, there's very little, <laughs> I mean, John, you could say there is a, a bit mm-hmm. of an ascension there, but um nothing like you get in Luke or and like you said why did he why did Luke repeat it it must have meant something to him he must have had some insight or something to say against the cultural backdrop but it must have been important to him to end one story and then repeat it and to begin the next story with it yeah and I think you know some of that has to do with um uh, theological reasons some have to do with like you know jewish and greco-roman you know backgrounds you know context of uh, in the first century of of uh, people who were reported to have ascended into mm-hmm. heaven even like romulus the the so-called founder of rome mm-hmm. uh, there's an ascension account of him mm-hmm. um so and there's a number of those uh part of it is like you know when you're looking at ancient biographies and stuff like a good ending, you know, a good death, so to speak, uh, is, is really important to that conclusion. And, um, so I think there's part of that. Then theologically, it's really important for a couple of reasons. The Ascension is one, which is a basic obvious one is if Jesus doesn't ascend then the spirit doesn't come. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm, Uh, and that's super important, uh, theologically, but then also the the sitting at the right hand uh, of the Father, uh, reigning over you know the kingdom uh, from heaven, and and um, and he can't return right if he doesn't depart. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so there's a number of a number of really important theological uh, aspects to the doctrine of the ascension that it that I think most people just you know, they adopt, they assume, they just don't think about it deeply. Why Why can't the spirit come if he doesn't ascend? Because you see that in Luke and in Acts, like Luke, Luke makes a big deal <clears throat> about that point. Like I can't send the spirit until I ascend. Is there something symbolically, is there something about the way reality works that um, unless unless he goes up, then the spirit can't come down? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, in part, I think it's covenantal, you know, I mean, going back to like Ezekiel 36, um, where, you know, this, you're going to receive a new heart, a new spirit, those kinds of mm-hmm. sort of that kind of language. Um, and uh, I, I think also, um, there, and this isn't, I haven't delved into that, this question as much, but I think... You know, like um, without if if Jesus was still around, like walking around, um, I think there would be maybe less inclination to um, rely upon the Spirit to have the Spirit working us. The need for faith and other things, and so I mean, I think we need Christ to 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 go. Um, and we need the spirit in us to work in, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to proclaim to the ends of the earth, uh, that sort of notion as well to be witnesses. Yeah. It, it seems to me like it makes like God just, you know, God ordained 
you know, that Jesus would ascend and that's when the spirit would come permanently, right? Because prior to that, at least from the Old Testament standpoint, the spirit would come upon people for specific reasons and purposes and mm-hmm. then it would then it would leave. And so now there's this permanence that takes place after Jesus. And if I'm wrong, please correct mm-hmm. me because this is my thinking, but I want to make sure I'm on point and I'll lean towards... um your academics and your um, intellect over mine, <laughs> but um, hey, you got the spirit just like I do, brother. You, you're on the right track. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, so definitely needful. Jesus was like, man, it's beneficial that I go into. And when you were talking, I just pictured like, if Jesus, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, if Jesus didn't ascend, like, Jesus would never die. Like after he resurrected, mm-hmm. like unless somebody killed him again, like he still be walking around. <laughs> You know, from like kind of comical but kind of realistic standpoint. And then I was thinking, so what if, and this is all happening while you were just talking Mm -hmm. a minute ago, what if Jesus was still walking around? How beneficial, would that be more beneficial than God's spirit living in each believer collectively around the world? And it's like as cool as it would be, or maybe it wouldn't be cool if Jesus was still walking around the earth, right? he's going to leave at some point. Like he might come and, and kick it with me on the weekend and we could eat some smoked meat and you know, something like that. But then he's going to be gone and he's going to go do something else. And it's like, well, Jesus gone. It's kind of like the disciples like, don't leave, don't leave. And he's like, look, I must leave because there's something not greater, but something of equal value mm-hmm. as meat is going to come and live in you. And like you said, like to guide us, to convict us of sin, to lead us to truth, <clears throat> all these benefits that we have on a daily basis that we wouldn't have if there was just one Jesus who was still alive today. Hmm. So it's a blessing that he is like, get up out of here, man. Let me get that Holy Spirit up in me. You need to leave now. And there's like two sort of assumptions lurking back there. And one is, is that, um, that he is, that he's gone. Like that the spiritual realm does not intersect with our world, which I think it does. I think the, the whole cosmos is way more integrated than, than, than we realize. And he and, and he it could be closer than we realize. And then the other uh, assumption, like you pointed out was um, there's one set of jobs he could do while he's here, such as he did when he was here, mm-hmm. but there's a whole other set of jobs that he can do and perform if he's at the, at the right hand of God at the throne preeminent over over everything, ruling and reigning in that. Yeah. You know, if Jesus was still walking the earth, it'd be interesting to see how many churches he would go into <laughs> and maybe have a money changer experience with. <laughs> you know, yeah. be interesting. I don't think to it see. would be very good for the rest of us if, uh, <laughs> man. <laughs> I mean, it would and it wouldn't, right? But yeah, yeah I, I do think, it, I mean, Lewis, you're right. God's providence is certainly, um, preeminent when we're talking about why the why mm-hmm. question yeah. right um and in some ways it's it's unknowable uh, because of god's omniscience etc but I, I think at the same time we can be assured that it's better for us mm-hmm. uh that in god's you know goodness he ordained that okay uh and amongst the members of the godhead that that it is good for you know, Jesus, the son to become human, to live, die, uh, rise, ascend, mm-hmm. and God, the spirit to, to then come, um, and to work through God's people, uh, you know, to proclaim, to be witnesses, right. Which is a huge part of, 
of the Spirit's coming in Acts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to be witnesses in the world uh, of the kingdom of uh, the King, and um, to prepare, you know, God's people for for the return and the ultimate ushering in of the new heavens and the new earth, etc. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the why question is always it's like living overseas. Like, why do they do this? I don't know, but it's a, it's a dangerous question sometimes. The why question. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Well, when I another question that I have that I've been thinking about, and I don't maybe it's totally irrelevant, but when I look at the Bible, there's four different people who ascended. We have Elijah, um, Enoch, I think, and I don't know if it's the same kinds of things. Same kinds of, you know, ascensions, but it says that God took them or they went up or something. So you have Elijah, Enoch, you have Jesus, and then you have, oh, the rapture of believers who are going to be caught up in the air, whatever that means. But to me, it seems like uh, even if you're not like a left behind pre-trib kind of person, they're still caught up in the air. You know, that still means something. It, It appears like they still ascended somehow. Yeah, or, that was, or will. So are all those all tied together? Do they all have the same significance? Yeah, good question. I was going to ask that exactly the way. Yeah, I mean, they certainly <laughs> uh, have the same kinds of language um, associated with them. The biggest difference is um, the fact that Jesus ascends in his resurrected body. Mm. Um, and uh, whereas the other two, you know, they're, they they obviously don't, die like jesus yeah, does for sure. rise from the dead like jesus does. bear the sins of the world <laughs> yeah right right uh after having lived a perfect life yeah. and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um so i think that's the biggest difference you know why like i mean enoch is you know and even uh what is in the hebrews 11 11 right um mentioning it that he did not see death and, um, you know, the why, again, the why, why question, why, he, what was it? I mean, Genesis 5 only says he walked with God and then, God you know, took him, took him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's about all we get. Yeah. Uh, is it uh, sort of a type uh, for the one who is to come? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly with Elijah, uh, although Elijah's departure has a lot more to do with Elisha, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the double spirit mentioned there that Elisha requests. And so, um, hmm. could they be pointers hmm. for, or, or things that Luke in, as he's narrating Jesus's ascension sort of taps into a bit, uh, perhaps, but the, you know, the ascension, let's say in Luke 24, one of the biggest, uh, responses is worship. Uh, the yeah. disciples then go into the temple and worship, yeah. um, and that doesn't happen after after Enoch or Elijah Elijah um, ascends. So there's definite similarities, but also some pretty major differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. I was also thinking about I can't remember what the passage is. I should have looked it up, but angels ascending and des- ascend mm-hmm. descending and ascending. So you know. That just the word ascend or ascending, you know, mm-hmm. I recall yeah. that, you know, in reference to angels. And so, so when it comes to this, so you brought it up, like believers will ascend. Mm-hmm. The Bible also talks about us having glorified bodies. And so I kind of see that in my mind, like, as like, I don't know, like, I don't know. 
Like, like that's I, the way to get there. Well, it's like, is it is does that happen before we ascend? Is it is the body, <clears throat> the glorified body, yeah. happening while we're ascending? Yeah. It definitely is going to happen before we get to where we're going, right? Because this old piece of junk is not fit for heaven. <laughs> <clears throat> so, so how how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I mean, the mechanics of uh, what happens when, you know, from death to eternal life, right? Uh, Or let's say we're alive. Yeah. Praise the Lord when Jesus comes today, maybe. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, I'm uh, ready. I'm ready to. Come on, Jesus. Uh, Turn these lights off. Come on, Jesus. That's right. (laughs) Um, You know, the mechanics of that. No one, I don't think it's really possible to answer. I mean, certainly, you know, there are glimpses of like, um, you know, when Jesus talks uh, with the Sadducees and they're trying to test him about the resurrection in Luke, you know, for example, Luke Mm. 20. And Jesus is like, well, they neither marry, you know, like angels, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. neither marry nor are married, right? Will be angel like. And Mm -hmm. and that's um, what does that mean? I think it probably means our bodies will be more a little bit more like Jesus's resurrected body in that, you know, mm-hmm. there won't be um, the constraints of our bodies uh, in the sense that the fall, you know, induced and um, maybe physical constraints. I don't know. Angels obviously like Jesus's resurrected body when you can sort of be in one place and then disappear and then go someplace else. Mm-hmm. Right. Angels can sort of just appear and then quote unquote disappear. Um, is that how we'll be? Sure. I don't know, but we're still yeah. going to have our bodies. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And, you know, it is, I mean, I'm you know glad we're talking about angels because certainly like one of the things that when you look at the Ascension, you start researching and you're like, Oh, heaven, and then angels, and there's all these other <laughs> beings out there. Yes, yeah, that's um, where I want to go next. Oh. In the scriptures yeah. that uh, that we did a series, um, uh, what is it called? The um, uh, what do we call it? Beyond the mundane, or something like that. Mm-hmm. In school recently, and uh, or the world beyond. That was what mm-hmm. it was called. And talking about angels and demons mm-hmm. and Satan and. Uh, cherubim and seraphim and all that kind of stuff uh all these beings that are in the scriptures that you know in a modern scientific world no one no one really wants to talk about yep um so because it's kind of like so unusual Mm -hmm. you know and yeah i I agree i mean i think people are very tentative to talk about this stuff but it's all over the bible in our um materialistic worldview that we have i was reading a book the other day and for some reason uh, the word metaphysics you know came up and uh, i don't know the context the way they use the word it just struck me a better definition for metaphysics at least for me anyways than than i've uh, realized before i always used to just think it because meta means like with like literally in greek or maybe with or after so you think something metaphysics, you have physical, but then you have the stuff that's along with or, or after physics. But the word that jumped out to me was beyond. And I thought that's a better translation because you just said the word beyond, beyond physics. There's more to this world than the physical. There's something that goes beyond the physical. There's this whole other realm of spiritual beings. <clears throat> yeah. And like, 
in one of your titles to a chapter that you wrote, and I think that's what this is indicating. Uh, it's a long title, but I'll read it anyways. It's a revised cosmic hierarchy revealed apocalyptic literature and Jesus' ascension in Luke's gospel. Put that, that is under, a long title. Put that under should... my Christmas tree. Mm. But a, a cosmic hierarchy, that's what we're talking about. There is a cosmic hierarchy. And the ascension means that Jesus is at the top of that hierarchy. But that also means that there has to be a whole bunch of other stuff in it, stuff that's metaphysical, something that's beyond the physical. Our world is way more uh, populated than we realize, right? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, and it, you know, I mean, even to the point, like, they have names. Yeah. You know, like, um, Michael, Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, they, that's right. That's I mean, right. they're named in the scriptures. That's right. And uh, even, you know, demons yeah. have names. Legion. Legion, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not just a metaphor for, like, Roman army stuff, right? I mean, it is and it isn't, mm -hmm. you know. But um, uh, so I, I think, uh, yeah, you know, it's it, – it's fascinating. I have, uh, I've been in a group a reading group for a long time and um, they like to talk about place and space and all this kind of stuff. And every so often I'm always that, like I'm that new Testament guy in the group who doesn't know anything philosophically about what they're talking about. I'm just there to, <laughs> to hang out. And, um, but every so often I'm like, what about angels? You know, <laughs> do they have a place? Do they have, yeah. you know, how do they deal with space? And, and, these beings that are in the scriptures that are in our, in God's creation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have to think about them. And, um, I think, uh, Graham Cole's book on, um, gosh, uh, it's, it's, not <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's in that evangelical theology series and it's on angels and, um, hmm demons and satan and sort of uh hmm. that'd be good uh, he's a former dean here and he's I, he's from australia I, he's from australia i'm pained that i can't remember the title in the moment yeah. um but uh it's a great book for just like graham well, cole's know. guide to the cosmology no, that's right <laughs> yeah yeah uh but it's a great like readable yeah, yeah. you know for the average person yeah. in the church C.S. Lewis's the discarded image, and he has a whole section that outlines all these different spiritual beings that either are in the Bible or that medieval people or ancient people used to just matter-of-factly believe in. And I forget some of the yep. names of them, but I'm shocked. Like, there's so many uh, there are so many. different yeah, types like and names that are mentioned. And even we had Dr. Ingrid Farrow on a while ago, and her new book coming out in December... She has a whole chapter about um, spiritual beings, probably similar to Cole's uh, whole book. Yeah. But the number of passages from the Bible that mention, even by name, like you said, and the different kinds, it just blew me away. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's a bit crazy. Together. Like when you actually put it all down and you, you read through and you're like, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. And we don't talk about that at all. Yeah. Um, in the church. And some of that's right. Like the scriptures are in God's goodness are given to humanity, you know, and Jesus became human. He didn't become an angel or a seraphim or a cherubim mm-hmm. or, you know, um, so that means that there's something, you know, unique and obviously going back to, to created in the image of God, et cetera. Right. Like, so there's something important and unique about humanity that, that is right for us to focus on and think about as humans, but at the same time, you know, maybe it's a bit uh, humbling for us to mm-hmm. realize we're not the only beings in the <clears throat> world. And, yeah. you know, um, we're not the only worshiping beings. We're not the only mm-hmm. beings that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting how much the angelic realm probably thinks about us and how mm-hmm. less we think about them. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and part of yeah. it probably is like optics, maybe like they can see us, we can't see them. At least we mm-hmm. can't see them and know. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. you're an angel, but maybe you could be. Let me ask them. I'm not going to go there. I, 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 I ain't. <laughs> you know, but it's like, that's, that is like the unseen realm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a real realm. And we've got places all over the Bible to substantiate that fact. And because we can't see it, go to it, really interact with it in a tangible way like we can other things, then it becomes something that we don't think about. At least for myself, I rarely ever think about it. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, when I do, I think more about the the satanic realm more than I do the angelic realm, you know, just because of the the spiritual warfare that we as Christians fight and go mm-hmm. through. And, and I don't think much about the angels and like what, plan or purpose they may have mm-hmm. or play in my life mm-hmm. in my personal spiritual battle like if they do if they don't and it's just mm-hmm. uh, to me a lot of unknown my guess is probably we don't have a clue as to how much the angelic mm-hmm. realm interacts in our spiritual life in our spiritual warfare and we just can't know mm-hmm. well even yeah. in, in luke's gospel i'm sure you can probably think of some examples too uh ironically maybe not ironically but luke is luke's gospel is known as like the portraying the most human jesus because it starts with his with his birth Mm -hmm. and it talks about him sweating and you know all this hungering and all that Mm -hmm. um but there's also uh it it peels back the layers quite a bit at times and shows this uh spiritual world like when he's battling satan in the desert I even thought when he's in the garden of gethsemane and angels have to come help him Mm -hmm. it says uh, casting out demons. I'm sure there's other examples. Uh, yeah, the, I mean uh, the birth narratives, right? Like the angels. Oh yeah, uh, the, whole... the shepherds, yeah. Gabriel, yeah. Mary, right. and Zechariah, mm-hmm. and yep. you know, like hmm. so. Uh, which is interesting that Luke, the narrative sort of before Jesus enters the scene, there's lots of angels, and then afterwards uh, they sort of die off in the narrative, and demons enter in until sort of the the mm-hmm. conclusion uh, until his resurrection right where mm-hmm. you see angels and then the ascension in acts one there's sort of angels as well sort of being like why are you guys looking where he's going um mm-hmm. he, you know he's gonna come so it's it is interesting jesus on earth i think you see the rise of the demonic really the the battle that is sort of being played out um but otherwise it's triumphant um and uh so yeah, but angels, man, it's it's 
their name there's archangels so there's like even hierarchies yeah. within angels you know right so yeah uh, and i do think that they they like you were i forget who was lewis or or sam who was saying it but um they do a lot on behalf of humanity that we do not see mm-hmm. and um and also inquire i'm preaching through first peter i just started a series on first mm-hmm. peter right now and you know, First uh, Peter one twelve, right? Is like the salvation. You know, the work of Jesus that angel, even angels long to look, you know, yeah. at and and towards, and or into. And so, um, there's something that angels recognize are important about what God is doing in Christ in the world in, in on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, that that impacts them as well. That they are. Uh, you know, in terms of the 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 eradication of God's opposition that they are really uh, excited for, I think, mm. and actively involved that God uses them uh, for His mm-hmm. purposes. That yeah, like we just don't see. Uh, yeah, in my in my mind, the um, and this is again is from, I think it's from the discarded image from C.S. Lewis that he envisions our our cosmos as like russian nested nested russian dolls is that the right words mm-hmm. you know the doll within the doll within the doll and our world is more like that it, it's fuller and the, each layer is full of beings and all these just what we've been talking about and we've lost that and like that's like the cosmos versus our very just flat shallow view materialistic view of the world and only what you can sense with your senses. That's all there is. There's only physical. There's not mm-hmm. metaphysical. There's not beyond, mm-hmm. beyond the physical. Um, but I thought I had, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before I thought it was ironic that back in the day when we thought the world was flat, we had a more round view of reality. But now that we know that the world is uh, round, our view is very flat mm-hmm. of reality and uh, we, we've just lost that. And that's coming out in all kinds of ways. And I'm sure as being on a college campus, um, you can see how our very flat, one-dimensional, shallow view of the world is, is affecting uh, students and the next generations and, and people's lives because they, they don't have this robust, joyous, worshiping uh, view of reality um, where, where we know our place in it as well. So how... All that to say, how did our world become so flat? <clears throat> I don't know, but I like what I like what you just said there. I might have to steal that. Um, that that it once was we used to think it was flat, and we had a very round view, and yeah. now it's yeah, that's really good. Um, I I think I think modernity and um, the scientific revolution and um, yeah, I, all of that I think is is a is really at the core of it, you know, where um, humans became the center of the universe and, um, Mm. and humans could accomplish anything. And therefore, you know, we became like gods in a sense in our own minds. And, um, and that pushes out the need for God or, or, or or space Mm. for God Mm. to actually be the center of all things. And, uh, the one for whom all things are are done and, and accomplished and through whom they're all accomplished. So I think um, I think modernity is a big part of that. And you know, just 
our own minds, you know, we can think and answer our own questions. Um, there's no sense of wonder like there used to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it is interesting, you know, on a college campus, uh, there's been, you know, like thinking about what Gen Z, you know, thinks about lots of stuff. And I do think they sort of, uh, they're both like super stoic in how they operate in that they're sort of like consigned to their, to whatever happens, you know, they're, they're not out there trying to change the world, right. Like millennials, uh, Mm -hmm. have been, but, um, I think they have a little bit more wonder, but not a ton, you know? So it'll be interesting to see if gen alpha was, you know, what happens with that. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe the, uh, Apple vision pro goggles that just came out, you know, like, (laughs) Maybe that'll give us a better vision. I don't know. You know, uh, and that's the thing. We're doing this on headsets. We're needing to invent things that give us the cosmic, the proper cosmic fuller. I was thinking. I was thinking along the lines of both of you, like because we are so smart, and technology has made a big planet small Mm. in terms of proximity. Like we're nowhere near China, Japan, or Australia right now. (laughs) That's true. But we are. Yeah. We're just a click away from being on a Zoom call, interacting with people all over the world. Mm. And so everything has gotten smaller and we've gotten smarter. Mm. And like like how you put it, like the wonder. The wonder is gone. Like, I wonder what it's like over here. Boom, I can get right on a computer and I can see mm. images. I can go on YouTube, watch videos. Mm. I can go on social media and friend people from other countries who I don't know and get to see what their life looks like and interacting with whatever. And it's like our world has like caved in on itself to a certain extent. And I, the wonder that you said, that really struck me. Like yeah. there's no wonder. Like I wonder, I wonder. Now there's answers to wonder. There's there's Google, right? You got a question, Google's got the answer. Yeah. And that takes away the wonder. So, And like Dr. Brian said, the first response to the ascension was wonder. <laughs> wonder yeah. and worship and joy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and I think I think that's where you know a, a good doctrine of general revelation. I saw you guys had a podcast on yeah. that recently. You know, like um, I've gotten into gardening a lot. My mom's a super big mm. gardener, and you know, you look at plants and stuff, and you're like, wait, how did this come about? You know, yeah. You, you just look at like the. De- I mean, even if you look at in the mirror, you're like, wait, did evolution? Yeah. There's no way. I mean, this is impossible, <laughs> no right? Doubt, like man. that. And how is it holding um, so, together right now? Yeah. Right. You know, so I think that we need to regain that sense of of wonder at God's creation and in his providence, he's given us technology and different mm-hmm. things to to be able to do this kind of stuff. But um, I think getting outside and seeing the beauty of creation and um, it can help point us in directions of, man, there is more to this world than just mm-hmm what humans make of it. Mm-hmm. And I even asked the wrong question just then. I said, and how is it holding together? That's a scientific question. Yeah. Like that's even, <laughs> that's a modern, but how about why is it holding together? Why am I holding together right now? That's that meaning, mm-hmm. that meaning question that. Or by, by whom? Or yeah. By whom is it holding together? Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that if like, it makes all the Ascension makes more sense to me as I've just been thinking about this. If we do have this fuller 
robust, round, richer, deeper, more complex. We have more spiritual, demonic, all these kinds of beings and creatures. If I have Mm. that, then every morning when I wake up, it's like I'm in this battle. Like, And there's things and forces against Mm. me. I have purposes and missions. I have to stay on track. I have to know. Mm. And it, it would... I would react in joy and worship if I knew that my God were at the hierarchy, at the top of the hierarchy with his hands at the helm in control of it all versus uh, just a flat earth where, you know, any old Biden will do. (laughs) I know for me, the dissension for me has always been like hope and a faith builder. You know, it gives me hope that, you know, one day, the pains of this world like will end and it increases my faith to know that I'm going to get a chance to go be with Jesus and go to a new place where all this stuff that has weighed me down and all the fights and struggles I've been in like will cease. And so that's historically for me, just thinking about the Ascension has just been like, man, one day that's going to be me. Mm. Like I'm going to be caught up and there you go. Boom. So yeah. Well, I think we better, we're getting, you know, like the time is just flying by, which usually happens when we're really like flowing really well. But I do want to get into like, if you had any questions about any particular parables or anything like that, you know, so maybe we can transition or unless you got more sure. questions. Yeah, no, I was, I wanted to ask about apocalyptic literature and how that fits into this before we go there. Yeah, go ahead. Um, because that was in your sure. title. Um there's obviously a, a, con, a context of apocalyptic literature that the Luke's gospel and other gospels may be a part. Revelation's a part of it. But what is apocalyptic literature and how does it fit into this picture? Yeah, I mean, just to put it briefly, you know, it basically, I mean, apocalyptic basically means to be revealed or disclosed. Um, and it's a, a form of literature, even sort of a worldview, uh, of sorts um, that arose, you know, towards the latter end of the old Testament period. Mm -hmm. Right. So book of Daniel would fit into this as well. Um, Aspects of Ezekiel and, you know, the, the major prophets, um, which basically is uh, looking at uh, or in this literature and way of thinking, right. The, the otherworldly becomes really significant, mm. right? Or, or to say differently, the super. I like mundane and super mundane as we talk, rather than natural and supernatural, because I think angels have their own nature mm. and it's natural, mm. right? Mm. Um, so mundane, you know, the super mundane becomes really important to the people of God as they are exiled, as they are, you mm. know. Uh, imprisoned as after the destruction of Jerusalem, et cetera. And they're living, you know, in Babylon or uh, Persia or, or Syria or wherever. Right. Like, so um, I think that uh, you see these otherworldly journeys, right. Or otherworldly accounts. So like there's books like first Enoch and, you know, trying to f- use the, the biblical account of Enoch and expand it to say, well, how does like the heavenly realm impact the now, mm-hmm. the the present? Um, and it's not just about like a an eschatological, right? Um, sometimes people equate apocalyptic and eschatology, but it's really about what what does it mean that 
the the super mundane, the otherworldly, how does that encourage God's people today in the midst of their suffering and strife and pain? So you get all these dual uh, dualisms like righteous and the wicked, you know, light and dark, all these themes that pop up that you see in Revelation mm-hmm. that you see uh, here and there throughout the scriptures, the New Testament. And um, so it's basically a, a form of literature, a form of thinking that as God's people are outside of the promised land and are, are suffering, well, how do we, how do we still, how do we have hope mm-hmm. in the midst of, of all this? And so that's sort of the, the rise uh, in, in this, what's called usually the second temple mm-hmm. Jewish period in between the Old Testament, New Testament, and then it's carried over into books mm-hmm. like Revelation. It's super encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking, I think like, is it Elijah or Elisha uh, who was in depressed Elijah, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and God had to like reveal apocalypse <laughs> uh, and show him that there's so many more people that are on his side. Mm-hmm. And that's right. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. And, uh, and, and I guess that's a tie-in for me too with, with the Ascension when you're, you know, the hardest times that I've had in my life, it's like a fight to lift your head up, you know, that there's that upward, that ascending, you know, keep your head up, keep, keep your eyes focused on the things above, not the things of below. And, and you have to fight for that, but that's the only way to get through it. And mm-hmm. that's the only way I, I, and I think about, uh, Polycarp, right? He di- died as a martyr. He's being burned at. I see your Loeb Classical Library up there, and it reminded me of the <laughs> the Polycarp uh, version. Well, the and green books. The green there. books, yeah. <laughs> and right. as he's being as he's being burned at the stake, uh, he hears a voice, uh, an apocalyptic voice, saying, "Polycarp, play the man." And he lifts his head, and he's able to just transcend that the horrific situation of being burned. But that's how Christians, Christian believers throughout the ages have always endured and persevered, whether back then or or today, someone could be going through something. And it's like, how do I get through this? Lift your head up. Ascend, you know, have that. And 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 the spirit will come down upon you and get you through that. Mm. Yeah. And Jesus, you know, in like the... Um, Luke 21 or um, the the text where, you know, sort of gives this sort of apocalyptic type image of the future, et cetera. And his ultimate, you know, uh, is ultimate sort of message, I think, is to wait for the Son of Man and to stand firm, right? Like, it's not like we're to, you know, wage this gigantic war, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we're to stand firm mm-hmm. in the faith, Um you know, uh, we've kept the faith, right? As Paul's, right? You know, fight the good fight. You know, you've kept the faith. You know that sort of notion. Um, and yeah, looking up, I think, uh, even though, um, yeah, looking up, I think to the Lord is is, and standing firm is what all we need to do. You know, because it's all been accomplished for us uh, in Christ through the God through the Father's you know foreknowledge and the Spirit sanctification et cetera. Now I'm quoting First Peter one uh, two because that's what I've been preaching on, so it's, it's in my head. <laughs> But um, yeah. All right, parables. Yeah, how do parable do parables tie into this? What is a parable? What? 
<laughs> what, how many how many uh, podcasts do we yeah. have uh, today? There's books and we books got about ten. On. We got about ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah, parables. How do they tie into the ascension? Uh, the, the Jesus taught them, and yeah. Jesus ascended. Is that the yeah. tie? <laughs> there you go. Uh, what? So, what was your question, Sam? What, what's a parable? Help people uh, see what a parable is. How are we to read them to uh, to understand mm-hmm. them? Yeah, gosh, I hope to write a book on this someday soon. It's, it's, I, I, I love teaching on the parables. And it's um, like almost too easy of a question, but, but also hard, right? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, you ask everyone, you know, in the church what a parable is, they're like, well, I know the, I, as one student, I know the greatest hits, right? Like, I know the parable yeah. of the Good Samaritan and <laughs> yeah. the Prodigal Son, and, yeah. um, no one wants to talk about the parable of the unjust uh, steward in Luke 16, 1 to 9. No one wants to talk about that one. I love that. Um, let's talk about that, that one? one. I love it. No, no, let's not talk about okay. that one. Uh, no, we can't. But uh, I think a parable is um, sort of a fable-like story that um, proclaims, you know, truth about God's world, about the kingdom, etc., um, sometimes, yeah, I, I, I'm still figuring it out to be honest mm-hmm. in some ways, because, you know, you look at Jesus' parables and there's a lot of variety in, in their form. Uh, but there's also some commonalities that, that tie them together. Um, you know, you get a few parables that only a couple that have an explanation that Jesus gives, right? Like the mm-hmm. parable of the sower, mm-hmm. the, we- the weeds, you know, the parable of the net, uh, all in uh, interestingly in Matthew 13 uh, and elsewhere, but all of them are there in Matthew's gospel. And, um, but the rest of them don't have an explanation like that. That would be, you know, we might, some people might call that allegorical, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of them don't. And I think we need to be cautious not to just say, well, hey, these three have an explanation. So the rest of them are all allegories as well. And I think that's not, um, that's not really true to what the the genre of a f- parable is. How would um, you how would you instruct a person to distinguish between a parable and a true narrative? Yeah, I mean, usually um, a, a parable starts in a way that's like you know, and a certain person, you know, uh, or the kingdom of God is like right. It's that same kind of um, uh, metaphorical type introduction um it's always uh given in the form of speech mm-hmm. right so like mm-hmm. someone is speaking it uh which is going to be different than just a true narrative mm-hmm. um so it's it's in the in someone's direct discourse direct speech they're they're setting it up in such a way that the hearer knows this is not like a you know a, a historical account yeah, from my from my experience with people in church, and I mean, you know, it depends on what kind of church you go to and all that, and how old the person is. But I think people historically, in my experience, have struggled with one defining what a parable is. So we've done that, and then two, how do I distinguish between the two? You know, because people so matter of factly speak about some parables as if they're true stories, and it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, like that wasn't even a real story. And they're like, what do you mean? It's in the Bible. It is real. It's like. Yeah, it's in the Bible, it's real, but it wasn't really something that happened. It was something that was made up. And then, of course, correct me if I'm wrong, but 
But all the parables came forth from Jesus, right? Or are there parables that didn't come from Jesus? All the parables in the Gospels are from Jesus. Yeah, that's what I thought. So so that's another thing, like, you know, that's like just looking at the indicators of how to identify yeah. what the parables are. But yeah. some some people just, like, they go off on the deep end, and it's like, okay, come on back, come on back. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's I think, uh, you know, if you look at the Gospels, for example, there's a lot of genres within genres within yep. genres, you know, that, that you have to... Um, help people realize look okay if we're talking about you know the sermon on the mount right even if that even that has like you got beatitudes you've got like you know different sort of legal type teaching sort of midrash type stuff in terms of you know and it, it you know uh, and you've heard it said right and then jesus gives mm-hmm. sort of an explanation you get all these sort of sayings and then at the end there's that parable of the two builders um, so you get all these, even in one sermon, there's different, and people intuitively know that, right? They know that it's like, you know, we do this all the time, right? When we tell stories to our kids or we, you know, write poetry or, you know, hear poetry or, or different forms of music. We know that there are different genres out there mm-hmm. and we, we don't assume it's all like true. Or re- mm-hmm. It's all real, but it's not, um, it's fictional in some way. Mm-hmm. And so um, we just have to learn how to hear the scriptures well uh, and, and appreciate that a- ancient people, they were smart too. And they mm-hmm. use different genres mm-hmm. just like we do. They're yeah. just sometimes a little bit different. How, I mean, the Bible, you know, it's, it's difficult maybe for someone like yourself who is accomplished academically but when you think about the average person in a church who has not been to Bible college or seminary, have an MDiv, all those things, it could be an intimidating book to read. And so you being a New Testament, I say scholar and teacher, how important would you say it is for regular people working regular jobs with regular families, however you define regular, but don't have all those academics behind them? Important to know the different genres that the Bible, specifically the New Testament, is written in to help them understand what they're even reading. Like how how important would you say on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the utmost importance, what what how would you number that of importance? I would say it's ten, but with the caveat mm-hmm. that um within a lifetime. Well, um yeah. You know, like so like and I say that because um, you know, it's not a comparison game right where uh we're all followers of Jesus and i think we're all called to be lifelong lifelong followers of Jesus Correct. lifelong learners of yeah. the scriptures and so you know if as long as people realize that they don't know everything which yeah. you think we would all realize that but sometimes we get to those comfortable places where we're like i know the bible i'm fine i don't mm-hmm. need to keep reading it you know um or keep learning but so i I think as we're humble lifelong learners so 10 is of most importance but when people get that full understanding or get a larger understanding like i don't care if they're 80 or 30 you know like as long as they're continuing to to say man i need to learn from god's mm-hmm. word and yeah, read yeah. it well and have that sort of that you know virtue of humility to to do that day in and day out like that's that's all god calls us to 
but if you're going to teach the scriptures, if you're going to try to lead a Bible study, I think you need to bit by bit grow in your understanding of what's there. And, uh, and that involves like picking up a book or emailing someone like me or you guys, you know, and say, Hey, look, like I'm teaching on Luke, like on the parables help, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the body of Christ should help one another to, to continue to grow. Uh, yeah. In faith. I think that a lot of bad theology that exists is because many people don't have a solid understanding of the different genres that Mm -hmm. the Bible's written in, therefore leads to misinterpretation, thus BS, (laughs) bumper sticker, (laughs) um, faith. (laughs) And I think that, you know, I haven't really encountered any churches that make learning this, I would say pretty simple idea, uh, paramount in their in their gathering where they're focused on making sure that the brothers and sisters who are attending that they're and and this wouldn't be like a a sermon type teaching it'd be more like a Sunday school type teaching where yeah. let's learn about the different genres of the Bible to help interpret like like reading I'm reading proverbs um in Cook County Jail the other day mm-hmm. and we were talking about respecting men and respecting women you know we're looking at proverbs 31 you know And it's just like, how do you interpret these things that are being said? Because I don't care unless you have a paraphrase, which I don't, I don't particularly like paraphrases. I'm a new American standard guy myself or a new King James version guy, like the more real word for word translations. How do I unlock what this stuff is really meaning? Right. And so to just from a, I think it can be simple to help train someone pretty quickly, how to understand some of these different genres and it just, I know when I learned this, it enriched my mm-hmm. life greatly as a student of the Bible. It increased my faith. And it it took this book that my hand trembled when I had it in it because I felt like I could not understand it. To having a, a humble confidence that now I'm equipped to a certain extent because I'm a lifelong student, as you were pointing out to just kind of understand this book and now hold it with confidence that, yeah, I don't know it all, but man, I know some things now that can help me have some confidence. Mm. And so I, I yeah. think that's a lost thing because these are typical things I'm guessing you would learn in a Bible college or seminary. Mm-hmm. And most Christians, they don't even darken the door of a place like that. So, but they still, I believe really need this to help them grow. And it can't just be going to church and getting it going to a life group, like you need to be intentional about teaching these things and helping people understand. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my opinion. That's yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you gave a plug for, for uh bumper sticker faith. I'll give a plug for seminary and, <laughs> and training pastors well, but then pastors, you know, so go to Ted's. Um, but uh, you know, like I think pastors have a, a, a duty to, to give meat and not mm-hmm. just like watered down, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. oatmeal, <laughs> um, and, and, and help people realize that like, yeah, like, okay, we need to love Jesus. Right. But like what that means has to be, I, uh, Sam, you keep using the word robust. I love that word. Like mm-hmm. we need a robust faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and in today's world, right. Like, gosh, that's so hard and so challenged, so many challenges to, to live a, as a Christian, um, and that's only going to increase, you know, and I've seen living in Europe and stuff like what that, where that goes, mm-hmm. right? Um, like we need, we need that meat to really help us mm-hmm. um, 
to, to hold on to, to grasp that good. And it doesn't mean we, you know, everyone in their grandmother has to know Greek and Hebrew, right? That's not the yeah, point, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. but it's just like, we need to, to build one another up in Christ and, um, and have it be a solid foundation rather than mm. this flimsy one. Yeah. That, you know, I kind of see it like I just watched this show on Netflix. This like barbecue showdown season two. <laughs> and I see these guys and I'm like, man, like it looks so good. I want to eat it, but I don't really want to learn how to cook at that level and put that much time into it. But I learned little things and how I can make something and tweak it and make it better. And it's like, I'm not going to be the master chef. That's not what God is calling me to quote unquote but I can learn from the master chef, right? I can get fed at church from the, the trained, theologically trained people. But then like with my family, like I can show my kids or my neighbors, the little tweaks and stuff I've learned to help them be a chef for their future family or for their current family. You know, so it's like some people be the master chef level. Most people are just going to be the back home barbecue people, but I want to learn how to cook a good steak. I want to learn how to make my own, from scratch, barbecue sauce, which isn't that complicated, but I'm not going to go to like the master level, but I need some learning and some training. And then I can pass that on, you know, in my discipleship. You can still learn to enjoy the different barbecues. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'll be, I'll be a taste tester. Anytime. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. As we wind down, here's, here's my last words, my okay. last thoughts uh, on this. Uh, and then we'll, kick it, kick it back over to Dr. Brian. But, um, this all goes together for me. It's, it's right back to the robust or the, the ascension or the more round version of reality. This, these genres of scripture, there's not just one flat genre of scripture. Mm -hmm. There's, I think it, I think it's beautiful. The fact that the Bible mirrors the cosmos in that the genres of the Bible, you have apocalyptic, you have law, you have poetry. Like we said, you have narrative, you have all these parables, mm -hmm. proverbs, <clears throat> wisdom. You yeah. have all these. It's, uh, it's a beautiful picture. The Bible is uh, beautifully populated. And in, uh, like in the book 1984, is that George Orwell, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the goal of, of Big Brother and that whole system is to do the opposite, is to flatten. It's to, uh, like, he's against, uh, like, synonyms, for instance. Like, why do you need why do you need one word that means good or two words that mean good when you have just one word? Mm -hmm. And so the goal is to make everything as simple and flat as mm -hmm. possible. No synonyms, no antonyms. If something's good, if you want to say that it's better, just say that it's plus good <laughs> or double plus good. Or uh, better. <laughs> well, you don't know. Get rid of that. I'll get rid of better. They, they want everything flat. You know, that's, that's the way that I think like the left brain part of us is moving just wants to just flatten everything. Basically, it doesn't see the richness of it and, and preserving and understanding that the Bible, the Bible isn't flat. It has all kinds of barbecue flavors in it. Right. And that we, that we can learn to enjoy and our cosmos isn't flat either. Your life isn't flat either. You're surrounded by angelic demonic spiritual beings we're in this beautiful cosmos and it's not boring it's not and, and we don't have to manufacture our own meaning for it mm -hmm. we don't have to come up with <laughs> the uh goggles that you're talking about to see this other world uh, from apple you know we can pray 
we can do battle on our knees. We can, mm-hmm. uh, that's the more integrated view of reality that I'm interested in preserving and capturing and mm. sharing with people. Amen. Amen. That's, that's a great mm-hmm. last word. Mm-hmm. about you, Dr. Brian? We do a last word at the end. If you have something you want to leave <laughs> a last thought or some with our listeners with. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for having me guys. I, uh, super thankful for your ministry and, you know, like I, I, I think we just keep encouraging people to, uh, to grow in their faith, to not be stagnant in their faith. And, um, and that means like we need men and women trained to, to be pastors, to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, uh, we need people to, to be humble, to come and learn from, from other brothers and sisters to help one another and, um, learn about different genres, learn about the Ascension, learn about angels and demons and all this other stuff that's out there because, um, cause God calls us to, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he is faithful. So, uh, yeah, I'm super thankful for you guys and uh, yeah. for the opportunity to be here. And yeah. actually, sorry, one more last word through, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a, a bonus that Trinity has this online emphasis. Now people all over right now can enjoy this. If you're feeling called and nudged to learn more, take a class about parables or genres, mm, yeah. Yeah. you can, right? You yeah. can. Yeah, so we have these new certificates that. that you can do. It's super cheap too. Yeah. Super cheap to it's like 165 a credit hour to do a certificate. That's cheap. Uh and so you could take a class, you could take church history or, yeah. you know, uh, a counseling class if you're interested. Or, hmm. Anyways. That is talk to me. I'll help I'm gonna look into that. I didn't yeah. know that. So that's pretty that cool. I'll send you guys a link. Yeah, all right, cool. Lewis, last man, words. for me, man, just be a be be a lover of Jesus and be a student of his word. There's mm-hmm. so many people that's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I love Jesus, but they don't know the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that seem like they know the Bible really well, but there seems to be a disconnect between them and their love, adoration, and service of Jesus. And to me, the perfect mixture is to be both love mm-hmm. Jesus and be a student of his word. To love Jesus is to be a student of his word. So you can't really love Jesus that much if you really don't understand mm-hmm. and know and have a desire to know his word. So, Love Jesus, love his word, and go out into the world and be light and be soft. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mic yeah. drop. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so thank you, brother, man. Thank you so much for being with us today. And for all of you uh, who watch and who listen, thank you for being with us for another episode. Um, drop us a comment, a like. Uh, send it to someone else. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. You can check out the video on YouTube. Support you, us on Patreon. Patreon. We, we do have a Patreon page. Yeah. We don't solicit much because... I don't know why, but we, <laughs> we, don't, but we, we, we are on Patreon. <laughs> so if you want to drop a few shekels to, to see us continue to be able to do this and, and maybe get better at it, I don't know. Maybe we need to go like to Spain, to Madrid for a couple of weeks, and we can <laughs> learn the bulls. from this film. This film I'm coming. Thing been I'm cr- coming. You coming? Yeah. All right. We're gonna bring, we're gonna, so we need some extra Patreon people because we got a third We got a third wheel now that's coming with us. But, but no, thank you guys for your support. Thank you for the downloads, for the likes, for sending it to others. And if, if this is something that meant something to you and you got some out of it, send it to a friend, co-worker, or family member. But until we meet again, thank you, God bless, and don't go stepping in those BS. Peace. Peace.